Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. How we doing? We good? We good. Listen, here's what I believe about you. I'm going to just project on you. I don't even know if this is true. If you got up today and you looked out your window and you thought, man, it's raining a lot. It's cold. It's probably miserable out there. And you decided to leave your house to come to church. You're going to be loud today. That's what I assume about you. And here's what I've said to you, whether you want to believe it or not. I preach shorter when you talk back, okay? So if you are quiet, this will take a while is really what I'm trying to tell you. So if I sound like I swallowed a frog, I did not. I, uh, I sat at a baseball game Friday night. I think the windshield was like negative 80. And uh, then yesterday, two games, it was raining and cold. And uh, man, it was, it was miserable. That either makes me father of the year or an idiot. But either way, that's why I sound like this. And so uh, I'm, I'm going to try my best. If at any point I just say, hey, turn to your neighbor. That's not because I'm trying to get you to meet people. I'm going to take a drink of water and then we'll just kind of go from there. But uh, hey, I am thankful that you're here. I really am. And uh, just thankful that you've chosen to be with us on this Sunday. And you heard from Pastor Carson just a minute ago, and uh, he's our new youth and young adults pastor, and just so thankful, absolutely. He gave himself a hand. He gave himself a hand. Maybe not for long, but the first few weeks have been great. Um, But uh, his wife, Madeline, is upstairs. She's our G-Kids pastor. And we're just thankful for this, this couple, and, and that's one of the things in this season that we're excited about, just what God has been doing. And uh, one of the things that I want to, to share with you, and if you'll just give me like three minutes, okay, before I jump into the message today, just like three minutes, you can, turn, you can start your clock on your phone or whatever, but just some things I'm excited about. We have also recently added to our staff, uh, we've added Connor Donald as our new worship pastor. Connor was here a few weeks ago. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. I, that time doesn't count against me. I still get the remainder of my 240. But uh, Connor was here a few weeks ago. He and his fiance Emily uh, from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Please don't hold that against them. I don't think he's an Alabama fan. But, uh, but uh, anyway, so they came a couple weeks ago. And just a heart for worship, a background in audio engineering and production. And so we're excited for Connor to join our team. Uh, two weeks, March the 13th, you'll get to meet him. They are engaged to be married and will be married later this spring. Uh, and so then she'll be here some throughout just to kind of visit, but then she'll move here uh, later in, I think it's the end of May, or early June. And so we're excited for this family to come and to join Generations Church. And so you're going to love them. Uh, I really believe if you, if you didn't get a chance to meet them a few weeks ago, when you meet them, you're going to love them. And then you heard a little bit about couple to couple. This is not an announcement. This is like my heart. I love this event. And if you are not registered for couple to couple, like you need to do that. Uh, we've got, uh, I think, just over 50 couples now that are registered to be a part of that. Another 40 or 50 kids maybe upstairs that are going to be a part of what's happening, or 30 or 40 kids maybe, whatever the number is. They're going to have a blast upstairs as well. So you're going to eat together. We're going to play some games together. You're going to be inspired. You're going to be challenged. It is always an amazing four weeks together. So even if you can't make all four weeks, that's okay. You can still register, be a part of that. We'd love to have you uh, to be a part of couple to couple. And and what you need to know is that uh, this is one of kind of the, the things that we do every single year. We put a lot of time and energy in it. We've invited some really great speakers to come and to pour into us. You do not have to be married, but we want you to be in some type of committed relationship. And so we want you to come and be a part of Couple to Couple. And then starting on May the 13th, everybody say May 13th. 
we start our annual At the Movies sermon series. So for three weeks, the 13th, the 20th, and the 27th, we're going to do At the Movies. Now, here's what that is. If you've not been around for At the Movies, we're going to take some amazing movies and stories that Hollywood spent a ton of money on. We're going to take those and help to tell the greatest story ever told. That's the love of Jesus towards humanity. And so this is what we would call a high invite series. So this is not a series you want to come to by yourself. You need to be thinking about right now, praying about who would I bring to this series? Neighbor, friend, family, coworker, like get them here for that series all three weeks. We're going to have popcorn and drinks and candy. The kids are going to have their own movie upstairs as a part of what they're teaching. It's going to be a, a blast for those three weeks, but we're not taking three weeks off of church. Like we're going to have church, but we're going to present the gospel. And that's a great three week series for you to bring someone to be in church with you, to sit right next to you. For those three weeks. And then just two weeks after we finish, uh, it's Easter. And so we're, we're looking at Easter Sunday, April the 17th, uh, as another just great Sunday for us to experience all that God has for us here. So just what a great season. So I want you to be thinking over these next six weeks or so, about three or four of those, like you need to have somebody sitting right next to you for those Sundays here at Generations Church. All right, so if you were looking at your phone right there, you can turn the clock off. If you, if you were, the Lord needs to heal you because there's some judgmentalism in your heart or something. I'm not really sure what was happening there. But uh, no, I'm, I'm thankful that today we, we're kind of concluding a, a really great four weeks that we've been looking at called Fight For It. And we started the beginning of February just talking about life is not meant to be lived in this passive way where you just kind of you know, allow life to happen to you. No, no, no. You are intended to, to fight for some things, not to fight with everybody. There's some folks that do that, but we're talking about like fighting for some things. And so what we talked about that first week is fighting for blessing, fighting for what God has for you. We looked at the story of Jacob wrestling with God and uh, the book of Genesis. Then Corey and I shared on Valentine's weekend, we talked about fighting for your family and what that looks like. And not just advocating for your kids or your family, but really fighting for them, what that looks like. And then last week, Pastor Aaron White, he shared about fighting for peace. And if you weren't here, I encourage you to go back and listen to that, watch that. Uh, I told him to his face, so I think I can say it behind his back. I don't think he's in the room. But man, I think it's the best he's ever preached. I, I really think it was just a, a really special moment where God used him to speak something practical and challenging to us at the same time. And so today, I thought I knew where we were headed. Like a couple weeks ago, like I already had a plan, and we knew how the series was going to end and where we were headed. And so I started reading and praying. And as I did, I really felt like the Lord was leading me towards something else, and as I was trying to think about it, I thought, you know what we need to hear about? We need to hear about fighting for wisdom. Man, we need some wisdom in our life. Anybody want some wisdom in your life? Like, I need some wisdom in my life. And so it was like, okay, well, James tells us if you lack wisdom, just ask God, and he's going to give it freely to you. If you need some wisdom, he'll give it to you. So it's like, we need wisdom. We're going to fight for wisdom. So as I started preparing for that, and I was praying about fighting for wisdom, I thought, you know what? There's, a little, there's like another step beyond wisdom that maybe we need. It's like, okay, well, once you have wisdom and knowledge, this is what it said in Proverbs 16, 16. It said, how much better to get wisdom than gold, to choose understanding rather than silver. And I thought, well, that's a, if you, if you got to fight for wisdom and fight for understanding, like what's it all for? I know some really smart people who are dumb. You know what I'm talking about? You know anybody like that? You don't know anybody like that? Okay, I'm the only one that knows smart, dumb people. Okay, I got you. So if, if like we need more than wisdom, what do we need? We need to know what to do. It's not enough just to know some things, to have wisdom and to have understanding, but like, what do we do with that? So I thought, here's what we'll do. We'll talk about fighting to know what to do. Fighting to really understand, have application about how we should live and what we should do in our lives. And as I started really wrestling with that, I thought, well, how do you get the wisdom 
to know what to do. There's a lot of books. There's a lot of things you can read that you can read through Scripture. But what is it that we're actually trying to drill down to? And so where I landed, what I believe God was speaking to me, and what I want to share with you today is this idea of fighting to hear the voice of God. Fighting to hear the voice of God. Now, when you hear that, perhaps you're like freaked out by that. You don't know what that sounds like. You're not sure exactly what that even means. Perhaps you're very comfortable or familiar with that thought. But what I'm talking about here is not just kind of trying to figure it out on our own, but believing that we live in such a way that God is trying to communicate to us. That we're not just throwing prayers up to heaven and hoping God hears it. That God is also in some form communicating to us and we should open our ears and open our hearts to hear from him so that we may gain wisdom and understanding and we can apply it in our lives so that we can do things that honor and please the Lord. Maybe this thought of hearing from God comforts you. It's like, oh, well, thank you. That's what I've been missing. But maybe it freaks you out. Maybe it scares you because you're just not sure what that would even look like in your life. Here's what I know. I'll just indict me. I won't indict you. What I know is that there's a lot of other things kind of vying for our attention. A lot of other noise, a lot of other distractions. There are a lot of other voices in our lives that are trying to speak to us. And we're trying to figure out how do I lower the volume of those things to raise the volume of God's voice so that I would know how to hear from him and what I should do and what I should not do. And like, how do I drown out all of those other things to really focus in on his voice? So there's a great story. You don't have to flip there. I'm just going to summarize it for you quickly. It kind of speaks about this idea of God speaking to us. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 3. You got Samuel, who was a gift from God to his mother. And so she gives this gift from God back to God. And he is going to be raised in the house of God under the tutelage of a guy named Eli. Eli has two unrighteous, filthy, nasty sons. And God is eventually going to bring punishment to the house of Eli. But Samuel, this young boy, is being raised there. And one night he lays down. Perhaps you know this story. He lays down in his bed. Anybody, like when you lay your head on your pillow, that's when God speaks the loudest. I mean, maybe it's God or your grocery list, but like you just start having crazy thoughts. I don't have that. My wife stays up all hours of the night just thinking things and dreaming things. When my head hits the pillow, I'm going to sleep. I say it's a clear conscience. I don't know what's happening with her, but like I just feel like, like when I lay my head down, I can, I can go to sleep. But like sometimes, maybe you've experienced what Samuel experienced that night. As soon as he lays down, he hears this voice. Samuel. Now, if that doesn't sound like James Earl Jones, I don't know. But like the voice of God that reads the Bible app to me, like it's a pretty strong, deep voice. I don't have that voice, especially today. But the voice of God speaks Samuel and he thinks it's Eli. So he goes running into the room where Eli's sleeping. And the Bible says that Eli's old. He's kind of becoming blind. And so Samuel runs in and says, Eli, what do you need? And he says, well, I didn't, I didn't call for you. Go back to bed. Samuel goes back to bed. As soon as he lays back down, Samuel. And so he hears the voice again. He's thinking, man, that old man is crazy. He's called me again. So he goes running back in there to Eli. Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back and lay down. Uh, This happens. And so eventually Eli recognizes that this is God speaking to Samuel. And so he says, here's what you do. The next time you hear it, say these words. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So Samuel goes back and he lays down and he hears the voice again. Samuel. And instead of getting up and running to Eli's room, he just says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And God begins to speak to Samuel. And he would actually speak to him the rest of his life. So much so that Samuel, the prophet of God, was used by God to speak truth to his people. 
So much so that later you would see that Samuel is the one who anoints King David to be king. He goes to David's daddy's house, Jesse, and he's trying to figure out which one of these boys should be anointed to be king. And Samuel, in his flesh, thinks that he knows which son it should be. Surely it's the oldest. He's good looking and talented, and he's probably skilled in all the things that you need to be king. But okay, if not him, maybe the next one. Okay, not him, maybe the next one. He goes all the way down the line. David's not even at the house. They didn't even invite him to the ceremony. And so Samuel says, do you not have any more sons? He says, yeah, well, we got David, but I mean, David's just out tending the sheep. He said, we're not going to sit down until David gets here. If Samuel did not learn to hear the voice of God there in Eli's house, in the house of God, he would not have known to listen to the voice of God to anoint King David. And if you read those first few chapters of some of the gospel accounts, you recognize that it was important that David became king because eventually that turns into Jesus. Like it was important that he learned how to listen to the voice of God. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Could it be for any of us in the room that the game changer for us is if we would get used to this phrase, saying this phrase, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. What might God do? What might God say? How might God intervene in our lives, interrupt our story, do the things that we're asking God to do if we would just say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Jesus, the son of God, had a habit of doing this. We read this in Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. It says this, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And so when you look at this passage of Scripture, you see that the ministry of Jesus is expanding. He's getting busy. He's being pulled in a lot of directions. People want to hear from him. People want to be healed by him. They need something from him. Well, my pastor, as he was reading this passage of scripture to me, he said, what we often want is the truth and the power of verse 15, that the sick were being healed and that the ministry was expanding and amazing things were happening. The power of God was being demonstrated, but you cannot have verse 15 of the public demonstration without the private life of verse 16. He often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And so while my point today is not to give you three points and a poem, I want to give you three thoughts that we see from Jesus right here. This is not the only place we're going to land. But what we see in Jesus that we can model, for, uh, our, model our lives after is that the first thing Jesus did is he did it often. It was regular. We sometimes only pray when we need something from God. Right? It's like we only pray right before the teacher hands out the math test. There's a couple students that should have just amen me right there. I mean, you just like, Lord, yes, in a math class. Often, though, it's not just when we go to the doctor because they called and said they saw something, they want to run another test. And so we sit in the car and we, we beg and plead. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with praying right there. But if we only pray in crisis, how, how in tune are we to the voice of God? Jesus did it regularly. He did it often Maybe getting up early, maybe staying up late, maybe, maybe getting up 10 minutes before anybody in your house so you can just have a few minutes alone with God. Putting everybody to bed and spending a few minutes in the evening, finding a little time during your lunch break, on the way home from work, turning off sports talk or a podcast or an audio book and just listening to the voice of God in silence every day on that 10 or 15 minute commute back to your house. He did it often. It was regular. It was a part of the rhythm of his life. And then what did he do second? He withdrew to lonely places. Now, I don't know where you get alone. Six people live in our house. There's some teenagers. Like, they want to withdraw. We just kind of pull them back into the living room all the time. 
My 10-year-old daughter, she just wants to talk all day long. She's just talking, just talking. I, I, sometimes I can't hear the voice of God because of the voice of Kinley. Like, it's just, there's just, a, it was just stories and stories and stories and stories, you know. And I love every one of them. I want to hear all the stories. But sometimes I'm like, baby, I'm trying to hear from the Holy Spirit. Can you just, just for a just give me a No, I'm not doing that. I, I told you, I'm a great father. Father of the year. I sat out of. No, no, no. But he withdrew. He pulled away from the crowd and he withdrew to lonely places. In our house, that's my brown chair. I got a brown chair in the corner of our bedroom. For a couple years, I didn't even tell my kids it was there. Like, I just would try to hide away in the brown chair. My mom bought that chair for us when we first had our oldest, Cooper. And we would rock him in that chair. We rocked all those babies in that chair. And eventually, we didn't have a nursery, so we pulled it out of the nursery. It was like, do we want to get rid of it? I was like, no, no, no. I prayed a bunch of prayers in that chair. I'm going to hold on to that thing. That's an altar before the Lord. Like, I'm going to sit in that chair and write some sermons and read some Bible and pray to God and listen to God and put my headphones in and listen to worship music. Like, that's a spiritual place for me. It's my brown chair. That's my lonely place. I don't know what that lonely place looks like for you. It's probably not sitting at your desk in your cubicle at work with all the noise. It may be going and kind of getting up underneath the stairs in the stairwell. It may be in your car by yourself. I don't know what that lonely place looks like for you, but Jesus often, regularly, in routine, he withdrew from the crowds, he turned down the noise of other things, and he got away from everything else to spend some alone time with God. And then what did he do? He prayed. I think we should all pray. I think we, we all should pray on a regular basis, publicly and privately. But there's other ways you can hear from God. Through worship. Maybe for you, it's silence. There's so much noise in your life that when you actually do calm down everything else and you just listen in the silence, that's when God speaks to you. Maybe for you, it's journaling. When you put pen to paper, it is amazing the things that come out of your heart and the things that you believe come out of heaven for you, for your soul. But how is it that you hear from God? So what Jesus modeled for us is that he had a place, he had a time, and he had a way that he connected to God often. In lonely places, he prayed. So here's the questions for all of us. When are you trying to hear from God? Often, regularly, in the morning, in the evening? When are the times that you are trying to hear from God? Where are you trying to hear from God? Where are the lonely places? Where are you creating space? God can speak to you right now. I hope he does. God can speak to you in your car. God can speak to you on your job. Where, though, are you seeking? You're not just passively waiting. You're not just laying in bed waiting like Samuel. Like, okay, he does that. But where are you pursuing the voice of God? And then how are you trying to hear from God? Prayer, worship, journaling, silence, solitude, fasting. What are the modes? What are the disciplines that you are participating in, exercising to try to hear from God? It, there's not really a choice if you are a Christ follower. I recognize maybe that's not a decision that you've made. Maybe you would not say, I'm in a relationship with Jesus. I recognize that in a room like this or those that are watching online. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, we don't really have that choice of whether or not we should be listening for God's voice. John chapter 10 verse 27 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. We are the followers, the sheep of this great shepherd, right? And so if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we know how to follow him by listening to him, by, by understanding him, by knowing him more and more. And so we've got we to listen. And the voice of God sounds like a lot of things. 
Maybe you have heard the audible voice of God. I, I don't believe that I ever have, but I, in a very real sense, like God has impressed things on my heart that I knew were from him. We're going to talk about how I felt like I knew that. Like it was as loud as if he were speaking over a loudspeaker in my car or in my room. But whatever that sounds like for you, we've got to understand that one of the ways that God speaks is through his word. This is the Bible. But I refer to it most of the time as the word of God because we believe it's divinely inspired. Timothy, in the letter of Timothy, we're talking about like we believe that God inspired the words that we are reading through the hands of men, and it's useful for a lot of things, but part of that is to teach and to rebuke and to correct so that we would know the ways of God. And so this is the word of God. And so when we're talking about hearing from God, I think you can start here. So if you're not regularly, often reading the word of God, that is a great place to start. The YouVersion Bible app is one that we recommend. We, we use it all the time. If you don't have a bound Bible, we'd love to give you one. Go to the information center. But if you're just looking for something you've always got with you, you can download that app and you can read Bible plans, three-day plans, seven-day plans, a year along the Bible, and just read a little bit each day to keep it before you so that God can speak to you. I'm not just reading the Bible. The Bible's reading me. It's cutting into my heart and my life and speaking truth about who God is. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. I can hear from God through his word. And then when I hear him speak, I can apply those things into my life. So if I'm listening for the voice of God and I recognize he speaks here, but maybe he's speaking into my heart and, and I'm listening for what that may sound like, I, I do want to give you a couple thoughts here, some filtering thoughts. When I'm trying to hear from God and I believe that I have, how do I know it's from him? Like, like how would I go, okay, I think that's God. I don't think that's something I ate. Like, I, I think maybe that, that's who he, who he is and it lines up. Here's, here's a couple of filtering questions for me. Not really filtering questions, more statements. It would never contradict scripture. If God, you believe God says something to you in whatever form that takes, God is not going to contradict himself. If he's already delivered his word to us, he's not going to give you a word that makes you doubt what he already gave to you. So he's never going to contradict himself. So if you may, you, you hear from God, you think this is what God is saying to you, go, okay, is that something that I can confirm about his character and nature? Does that sound like something God would speak to me? If you're not sure... Ask a, a mentor, someone who may be a few steps ahead of you in, 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 your, in their relationship with Jesus. Come talk to me or one of the pastors on our staff. We would love to help you kind of search the truth of God's word to filter that for yourself. The second thing that I believe is that it should never breed fear in you. Now, that doesn't mean that it's all peaches and roses. There's some hard truth. There's some things that the prophet spoke that really kind of shook the people of God because it, it convicted them or... They were challenged by that, or they had to lean into the promises of his word. But I don't believe that when God is speaking to you, at the end of that, you're going to be afraid. They're going to be worried. Should I even leave the house? Should I, should I get in my car? What, what, what am I going to... No, no, no. God, as a loving heavenly father, when he speaks to you, should bring a peace and a comfort that you know this is from God, and that you know you can trust him as he writes the story of your life. And so it should not breed fear and uncertainty in you. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't no, no, there should be a calm over your life that you have heard from God and that God is responding to you. The other thing that I think is important is that often, maybe, it, it probably won't surprise you. Here's what I mean. 
if you know, I mean, you can't sing, you, you couldn't carry a melody in a bucket. But you think, well, you know what? I feel like God may be calling me to tell Pastor Jeremy to fire the guy he just hired and hire me as the worship pastor. Like, I believe that the word of God, the voice of God speaking to you will often confirm the things that God's already been dealing with you about. It will be a confirmation. Now, it doesn't mean that there's never a new thing, like these speaking, but it shouldn't, you shouldn't go, I've, I've never thought that. I didn't think God, I don't know. There should be this peace that, hey, that, that sounds like the way that God interacts with me. That sounds like something that God may be speaking. As I was reading the Bible recently, like, man, there was a lot in that. that this, okay, this makes sense now. The dots are beginning to connect a little bit for me as I'm pursuing to understand him in greater measure. So with the remainder of our time, I want to look to an Old Testament passage, 1 Kings chapter 19. You can go there with me. 1 Kings chapter 19. This is the story of the prophet Elijah. Elijah has just experienced this powerful demonstration. At the top of the mountain, he's seen God move, kind of overcome, won this battle, this victory, this showdown with the prophets of Baal. He's seen God move. And really, it's an amazing story. You need to go read it for yourself there in, in the beginning parts of 1 Kings, beginning in maybe chapter 3 or 4 and kind of going for the next few chapters. You see an amazing outpouring of the demonstration of God and how he used the man of God. And, and so then this begins to happen where then when he leaves that place, he hears these murmurs, these threats by Jezebel that she's going to kill him. And Elijah goes on the run. So much so that eventually he kind of finds himself like at the end of himself. He's like, I don't even want to live anymore. I, 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 I'm done with this. I don't think there's anything. And so he, he eventually kind of hears, he gets this, this vision that he, okay, I got to go. I got to move. And so he's, he's kind of on the run and he eventually finds himself in a cave. And he's in that cave. And this is what we read beginning in the second part of verse 11, 1 Kings chapter 19. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. In verse 18, it says this. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. If you're waiting on God to sound like the wind, he might, but he might not. If you're waiting on God to shake the foundation of the earth, he might, but he might not. If you're waiting on fire, he might, but he might not. Scripture actually tells us in this story that the Lord wasn't in any of those things. Wind, earthquake, fire, amazing things. The Lord was not in them. But he was in the whisper. And when the whisper came, Elijah knew it was him. How did Elijah know? Not trying to add anything to the story, but because he had heard from God before. 
He knew what the voice of God sounded like. So immediately he takes his cloak and covers his face and he steps out to go and have a conversation with God. He hears the whisper. And when he hears the whisper and he steps out, God says in loving rebuke almost, with a hint of sarcasm perhaps, Elijah, what are you doing here? Like we just had this incredible thing. Like it was awesome. I was there. You were there, right? Why are you here hiding in a cave? And Elijah does what we do. I won't indict you. Elijah does what I do. I just start pleading my case. Well, God, you don't understand. Listen, it's bad down here. Do you know how bad it is? It's bad. Like, listen, everybody else has been killed, and I've survived, and I have held fast, and I'm doing a good work for you, but now they're trying to kill me too. I'm the only one left. I'm by myself. I'm lonely. God, do you know what's happening down here? And I, again, I'm, I'm just reading it, but I read it through my own filter a little bit. I'm reading it, and God responds to him. And he says, hey, that's, that's awesome. That's great that you've held fast and you're doing these things. Jeremy paraphrase. He said, but listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back. I don't want you to keep running. I don't want you to run away from what you're scared of. I actually want you to run back towards what you're scared of. You're going to go back the way you came. Earthly wisdom says go a new way. And sometimes God tells us to do a new thing. But in this instance, he says, I want you to go back. I want you to go back to the desert of Damascus. That's not where he came from, but you're going back that direction. That's where I want you to go. I'm going to do something amazing. You can read it for yourself. But he says, hey, listen, I know like you kind of think you're the only one. You just told me that. But let me just let you know that I'm actually reserving for myself 7,000 others who've never bowed their knee to Baal. They've never kissed his ring. They haven't given in either. You're not the only one. Hearing the voice of God provides some things to all of us. For Elijah, it provided direction. Go back the way you came. Provided purpose. Like, I want you to go and do something. This is what God is speaking to. I want you to go back, and I got a job for you to do. He says, listen, like, here's the deal. I'm actually going to go with you. And when you get there, you're not going to be by yourself. There's peace in that. There's a perspective that we lack when we're just thinking about it ourselves. But when we hear from God, when we hear his voice, purpose, direction, peace, perspective that we lack when we're just listening to other voices, when the only voices that are influencing us are our friends who are always complaining and people around us who are always afraid And people on social media that we don't even know. And they're the ones influencing the decisions that we're making and the things that we're doing. But no, no, no. When we listen for the voice of God, there's the sense that we can move forward. We can actually even run back towards the things that we're afraid of. And that we're not by ourselves. When my kids are scared, maybe not as much anymore at their age, but when they were little and they were scared... They had seen a shadow that they were sure was a monster. They heard the creak of a house that sounded like something that was scary. You know, I could pick up a baseball bat and turn all the lights on and be an earthquake and a fire and the wind. You get out of here, you stinking monsters. I mean, now they'd probably laugh at me. But then, man, there was probably great comfort in my strength and my lack of fear. But you know what worked even better for them? 
when I'd lay down next to them in their bed. And I'd put my arms around them and I'd whisper right into their ear, I'm here. You don't have to be afraid of anything. There's nothing that you have to be afraid of. And I would just begin to sing songs. We'd sing little nursery rhymes sometimes. We'd sing hymns that my parents used to sing to me. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father. Like we're just whispering confidence into their ears. Sometimes the Lord speaks in earthquakes and fire and wind. But sometimes he's so close to remind you that he's near that it just sounds like a whisper and it's exactly what you need. Just to know that you could hear a whisper because he's close. So the question is not, should I want to hear from God? Because the voice of God gives us direction, tells us what decisions to make. It gives us purpose, tells us what we're here for, what our life should be about. It helps us to be better husbands and fathers and sons and daughters and moms and dads and helps us to know what to do on our job and what to do for the future. And it helps us not to feel like we're by ourselves because there are others who are pursuing God and he reminds us of that great truth. The question is not, should we listen to the voice of God? The question is, why are we not fighting for it? Why are we not chasing after all that God may be revealing to us in fire and in wind and in earthquakes and in whispers? To know that he's close. To know that he's near. Why are we not fighting to hear the voice of God? I'm going to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Nobody's looking around. Just a time of reflection, just personal prayer. I'm not, I'm not leading you in anything right this second. But just you asking God, God, what is it that you're saying to me? Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. For the first time ever, the first time in a long time, Lord, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. just do that. Everybody look at me. If you didn't just do that, I'm going to ask you. We're going we're to do it one more time. And you may hear those kids running. That's not the earthquake. It's not. That's like four-year-olds. They're having a blast. But we're going we're gonna to bow our head. And I want you audibly. I don't want you to like say it in your head. I want you to, with your mouth, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. It's not a formula. It's just a posture of submission. God, I, I want to hear from you. What might you say? And I'm going to be quiet for like 30. That clock tells me I got a minute and 12 seconds left. I'll be, I'll be quiet that long at least. But we're just going to listen. And don't, don't do anything with it yet. Just listen. What might God do if we were just quiet for a second? I'm going to ask you to stop just for a second, John. Right now. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening.
right? For some of you, that's the most quiet you've experienced in a month, except for the earthquake. What if you did that on a regular basis and you just allowed God to have the quiet space to speak to you? How are you listening for the voice of God? When are you listening for the voice of God? Where are you listening for the voice of God? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Let's bow our heads. God, I thank you today for the chance to hear from you. What a great reminder that you speak, that you respond. We're not, we're not in this by ourselves. And so, God, I pray right now for every person who acknowledges their need for you. They know they're not in relationship with you. They, they, they've never responded to your voice, this free gift, this call to salvation. Your kindness draws us, leads us to repentance. And so, God, I pray right now that they would be drawn there to repent, to ask forgiveness of their sins and give you the lordship over their life. God, would you do that? And God, I pray now for every person in this room, every person watching online that just wants you to speak. They're going to create some often moments, some lonely places, and they're going to spend time seeking your voice, fighting for it because we crave it. We need it with all of our heart. So God, we pray that you would do that. Speak to us. We will tune the other things out so that we can hear your voice. And God, when we hear it, Give us wisdom and discernment and understanding to know how to apply it so that our lives would more honor and glorify you. Give us direction and purpose and a peace and a perspective that we lack without your voice in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.